Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Psalm 62, verse 7, it says, God's glory is all around me. His wraparound presence is all I need. For the Lord is my Savior, my hero, and my life-giving strength. Join me, everyone. Trust only in God every moment. Let's put our trust in Him. Shadow, you won't light up, mountain, you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain, you won't climb up, coming after me. No wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me.
great are you, Lord? God, where would we be without you? Um, we're so thankful to, to be here in this studio. We wish you were here with us, but we know God is, is going to meet you wherever you are watching this. He promises to meet us right where we're at. I want to start today just by sharing a, a flashback memory I had as I was praying for this message and, and this time today. And it was a college memory when I was in a, an auditorium as a freshman. I was in a chemistry class. It was 9 a.m. It was about 300 people. I was 10 rows up from the professor. And uh, because it was so early, I, I started dozing off as he was teaching and he called me out. He said, Mr. Schaefer, what do you think of that? I have no idea how he even knew my name. But that was the last time I let that happen. And I don't want to be caught dozing off right now. The reason I tell you that is, is I, I feel like this is a moment God is, is getting our attention. And he's telling us to listen to the cries of people around this nation, around this world. It's time to look at the brokenness deeply in us and around us. And we need to see it. We need to recognize it. We need to understand it so we can actually do something about it. And so we have decided not to have a, a normal sermon today, but to have a conversation. DJ and I, in a few minutes, we're going to have a family conversation with some core family members at Ocean Hills. And, and although they're, they're all black, they are not speaking for all black people everywhere. They're speaking just from their heart. They're speaking from their perspective. Just as brothers in Christ, they're going to sit down and we're just going to talk about reconciliation and racial justice. And I have to admit, it's, it's uncomfortable for me. I'm not... It's not comfortable to talk about. I'm afraid I'm going to offend or be naive or, or say something wrong. Um, and and I, I just, I, I know I have not entered this conversation uh, deep enough yet. And I have not entered this conversation soon enough. And so I, I grieve that. And I'm sorry for that. Even as, as one of your pastors and leaders, I, I'm sorry for that. And I'm going to do better. And I, and I know that God is teaching me through this, and I, I am just leaning in and learning so much right now. So I, I want you to have that posture with me. Can we just lean in and have a listening and learning posture today? We have one verse that I, I want to share, two thoughts, and then we're going to get to this conversation, and the verse is Colossians 3.10. We're just going through Colossians 3, verse by verse, and listen to this verse, Colossians 3.10. Put on the new self and be renewed as you learn about God and become like him. Put on your new self and be renewed as you learn about God and become like him. God wants to renew us. Is anybody else, anybody else tired? Anybody fatigued out there? Just raise your hand or raise your hand on your chat, whatever you, wherever you're watching this. I think we're all fatigued. We, we all need some renewal. This is what God does. God renews us. He renews our spirit. And he is making all things new. He is making us new again. I know I need, I need a renewal of, of hope in my life. I need a renewal of vision, a renewal of purpose, a renewal of my spirit, a renewal of my love for my brothers and sisters who think differently and who look differently than me. I need a, a renewal of justice and, and what God thinks about justice. God wants to renew our spirits today as we trust him. That's what this verse says, that as we trust him, as we put on our new self, as we put to death the old self, we put to death hate and anger and malice and rage, and Paul could have easily included racism and discrimination. We put those things off and we put on the new self of peace 
and reconciliation and compassion and love. That is when our spirit is renewed as we cooperate and respond to what Jesus is doing in us. So God wants to renew us. Second, he wants to recreate us. God wants to recreate us. God's plan is to make us like Jesus, that we would become like him. Did you see that in the scripture? Become like him. He's going to, it's not just a a little makeover or a a self-improvement plan. This is a complete spiritual makeover. He wants to put a new heart in us, a heart of, of tender love towards others. He wants to give us new eyes where we can see others as he sees them. He wants to give us new ears where we can hear the cries and the suffering of other people and respond to them. This is what God does. He wants to recreate us to become like him. I love what St. Aquinas, uh, St. Thomas of Aquinas said. He said, love follows knowledge. Love follows knowledge. Think about that. As we get to know God, as we learn about God, we learn about him. We begin to love him. We learn about his heart and his goodness and his faithfulness and his grace and his forgiveness. We love him more and more. And we become what we love, don't we? If I love money, I'm going to become greedy. If I love food, I might become fat. We we become what we love. And so when we love God, we become more loving. We become more loving people. And that's what this world needs right now, is people who are transformed, people who are loving. That That is what discipleship is about. It's about becoming like God and having God renew us and recreate us. So I hope this encourages you. I want to close just before we get to our conversation with a, a quote by Peter Scazzaro, Pete Scazzaro. He says this, I do not believe we can grow into spiritually and emotionally mature disciples if we do not address the effects of racism and prejudice in and around us. We want to grow into spiritually and emotionally mature disciples. And so we are tackling this. It's, it, it can feel awkward. You might be tired of it, but we feel like it's so important and God wants to speak to us through it. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as we listen to our friends, as we listen to perspectives and stories, we begin to love people in a new way. Listening leads to loving people. So enjoy this conversation. All right, Ocean Hills, we're here to have a family conversation. We're just so thankful that uh, these friends have joined us today. And I, before we get started, I want to just introduce everybody so you know, um, you know these, are, these are part of our core family members. And Jonathan Thompson over here, he is uh, originally from Richmond, Virginia, right? And uh, he's, been, he's been at Ocean Hills for uh, a few years, and he's served in Oak Kids as a leader. Um, over here we have Sho Macklemore, and he's been in Ocean Hills a few years and has, uh, has helped us lead the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality class, and I've uh, been really thankful for your leadership in that. And, uh, and then Jeff Atlas is a, uh, is, has been at Ocean Hills for 17, 18 years, and uh, he's a producer. He's usually behind the camera, but uh, today we put him in front, and um, excited to have you guys here. And um, of course, you know DJ is uh, our, our uh, Director of Compassion, Mercy, and Justice. And so we're, we're just thankful to be in this space. And this is a, this is a sacred space right now. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it's uh, it's it's going to be a healing space, I think, for us. So I, I just want to kick us off and start and uh, ask just what what's been on your heart in, during this whole time, this this moment in our in our nation, and uh, what's God been putting on your heart? What's what God been teaching you? Mm-hmm. Let's just start there, and then we'll let it go. Uh, there's been so many emotions uh, that I've had recently, just really mixed, just trying to figure out for myself personally, like where everything's been going in the world. Um, I know we're sitting here with a mixed group of racial, different races, and I really love that opportunity. I think it's been very mixed emotions for me personally, as I've gone through the gambit of feeling, uh, we discussed a little bit earlier, feeling embarrassed and feeling sad and feeling hurt, but also feeling annoyed a little bit and a little bit exhausted having conversation, but also wanting to bring everyone with us and in this yeah. picture. So I'm really hopeful that this will be an opportunity for healing. I hope that everyone here and everyone out there will be able to spend this time with us and just as we are vulnerable and spending time together as uh, brothers in the Lord. So I just want to thank everyone for this opportunity. Yeah. Um, I would say that being black in America is kind of emotional anyway because it's always something that you're that's there and it's it's something that you have to deal with and you have to um, it comes with with extra it's not just like you're a regular person you're a black person in America which looked upon differently I think and so even from the age of a child you still there's different things you have to deal with different things, different perceptions of you that you carry with you, uh, different perceptions of yourself sometimes, and those things can weigh on a person. Mm-hmm. And I think now in this time, in the last you know, few months, it's been extra emotional. Um, and I'm not even counting like going to protests and things, I'm talking about just being mm-hmm. a person. Um, it's emotional for my family, um, for my friends, and, and very emotional just for me the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the uh, predominant feeling has been sadness, um, you know, sad for the loss, um, I think angry, um, anger, confusion, um, like how could this happen, uh, maybe fear, could this happen to me or someone I know, uh, confusion as to what to do next, um, do I post this, do I protest, do I mm-hmm. pray by myself, um, what, what's the right thing to do? Uh, it's annoyance yeah that it's happening again um, yeah just lots of emotions very elevated and just trying to navigate those to figure out confused as to what I should do next so um, really great for this time to try to process because um, I think talking is healing okay. and then navigate not only on my own feelings but then like you said what to tell other people yeah. what, what kind of example am I supposed to be in a moment Am I supposed to be um, a leader, not only to my family, but to other African-American and black people? Um, you know, what do I tell my white friends? All these questions that mm-hmm. are kind of all of a sudden at the forefront. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know people are reaching out to you and asking how you're doing. And how, how, does, that, how does that land with you? What, what, what kind of mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings are you having about that? Is that, is that good? Is that encouraging? You know, I, I, the first, it caught me off guard at first. Um, I did not expect to get any phone calls or texts to me to ask how I was doing. Um, how I, was, yeah, I just didn't expect it, and then yeah. I, you know, I started getting a few few messages. It was, I think, it, it shows people are concerned and they care. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people also got a wake up call. They didn't realize how bad of a problem this has been, 
in, in America in general. Yeah. Um, and everyone knows what racism is, but they really don't know what it really is. Right. Mm -hmm. um, right. And how it really affects people's lives mm -hmm. on a day to day basis. If they're not involved in it, mm -hmm. it's over there. Yeah. It's not mm -hmm. here. Yeah. It's in somebody else's neighborhood. Totally. It's not in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and I think people got a wake up call in a big way. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. related to that wake up call was people who were able to protest. And I think it was the first time that people were white got a taste of what it was like to be black and be black in America as they indiscriminately fired on young children. <clears throat> people lost eyeballs, lost vision, etc. It's just they just fired indiscriminately on people. And I think that was the first maybe taste that people who were white realized what it might be like to be black in America. And so as people have been reaching out personally, it's been tough because we're holding a lot of collective weight as people who are black, but we're also holding our individual weight. And right. so that can be very challenging and be very tiring. And the last couple of weeks for me personally have been very difficult, uh, very physically exhausting, mm -hmm. very mentally exhausting. And then we have to hold our own families, our own life, our own other things that we have going on as well. So I just hope that everyone can hear our voice and just hear that we want you to listen and be with us during this time and continue to provide the support in any way that you feel and also ask if you don't know yeah. about some ways that you can be supportive of your friends during yeah. this time. Right. Yeah. I had an experience when Ahmad uh, died, not even when he died, but actually when that video surfaced and um, pretty grave injustice was revealed in a really, really terrible, awful, horrible story. Uh, just some of the wake of that and feeling the emotion just attached to that first murder, that first death, right? And I, I follow a few Instagram accounts that try to coach me, you know, and so um, maybe perhaps one reason you found some people reaching out to you, Jeff, is one thing some, some people have coached me in is, hey, reach out to your friends of color, but particularly your black friends, and just ask them uh, how they're doing or, or stand with them, right? And so I, I reached out uh, to a, a black friend of mine, and I, I asked him, you know, hey, uh, how are you experiencing this? But then I tacked on, like, I stand with you. This is awful. Like, I would never let this happen. And he, he said, DJ, I, I just want to gently coach you. Uh, I, I just wish that you'd reach out and just ask me how I am. Like, mm -hmm. as a person, before rushing into standing for something, before rushing into saying why this or that isn't wrong, just ask me how I'm doing. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know, does that resonate with you guys? Is that something you share sentiment with or as people reach out to you what have you been feeling I guess well it um, it's awkward yeah. <laughs> it's it's unusual um, I've had people who who uh, reached out to me who uh, I haven't spoke to in a long time and, it, and to some degree it feels like they're trying to uh, generate a relationship out of thin air or um, mm -hmm. you know but uh, the, the more that people have done it um, I've become encouraged because it means that they have been moved to uh, do something and um, you know as I put myself in that situation you just described um, I can totally understand why someone would respond to that um, and and that's okay but I think there's something to be said to, to take the risk of reaching out and I think something that, that we have to do is understand that um, people aren't gonna be imperfect when they when they reach out and that you deserve that grace and something I've, I really struggle with um, uh, 
when people say nice things or whatever and something I've had to coach myself is just receiving it you know, and say because I'm not the one that it, that it happened directly to but I can still say thank you so much or that meant a lot to me or I'm encouraged by your words and uh, give permission give permission to those folks to um, be imperfect but also encourage them that they did the right thing by even taking that first step so mm-hmm. um, from awkward to encouragement <laughs> no agreed yeah, I think good. it's human nature though that people want to fix things yeah huh. and huh. so sometimes instead of coming in and fixing maybe mm-hmm. just asking what is it that you need in this moment is there something that you need is there anything that I can do I think maybe that could be something that might come across a little bit more even genuine as your friend maybe was trying to coach you in that yeah, way. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we start going down the road of race because it is uncomfortable, think about it maybe in this way. Is that comment for me or is it for them? Huh. Hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of us are, are trying to listen and learn right now. That's kind of the, the mantra. That's what I'm that's what God is we feel like God's telling us to do is listen and learn and Maybe you could just share, like, what, what does listening really do? Because I, I think that's, maybe some of us aren't even sure, like, that's going to help. And could you, could you guys just share that? What, what is listening going to do in this situation as we, as we sit down with each other and listen to stories and perspectives and pain? What does that do? I think it's a first step. I mean, I think someone who, well, they call or want to have a conversation, it's a first step. It means that they're reaching out to find out how I'm doing, which is a great first step. They may say, like, what can I do, which is a sort of a second step. Um, and then it also encourages them to look at their own life. Because they may feel, you know, there's this, it's not a new term, but it's actually brought up a lot right now. It's called white guilt. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Where people, they either feel so guilty because either they've done something in their past that they regret, it, it's a self-check, and they're like, oh man, I remember when I was this, this, and this, and I did this, they're checking themselves, yeah. but they're also thinking, wow, maybe I didn't do enough. I stayed silent yeah. at, the, at Thanksgiving when my uncle was saying this person, about this black person that they met, or, you know, this, it's a chance for them to self-reflect. There's also time, a chance for them to say, wow, I can do better. So mm-hmm. I think that outreach is, can be a combination of things that people are trying to say, I need to do something more than I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I love, like, you, Jonathan, saying, like, that has to be about the other person, though, too. Because I, you know, like, I think that happens for all of us where we feel guilty about something. We go to say, sorry, or we go to say, you know, I feel you. But really, it's about making ourselves feel better. And, and I think I've been reflecting on that myself. I shared a little reflection on that the other day. But, like, part of listening and part of responding to a moment like this is making sure it's actually about the other person and not just maybe absolving myself of something mm-hmm. I feel inside of me. Mm-hmm. I'll piggyback on that. Um, I heard a quote, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, it says something to the effect that, you know, listening is so close to feeling love that most people don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. And it's listening at a heart level, you mm-hmm. know, um, listening to not just the words, but the, the emotions behind it. That's, that's, that's important. And, uh, Conversations is a skill, you know, to be able to listen to the words, but also the heart behind that. And I really like what you said, because um, when you come in with answers, it kind of positions yourself as I know what to do next. Mm. And just listening and, and being with people in that moment says that, no, I'm, I'm going to be here with you in that space, wherever you're at. And so yeah. um, listen, ask the question, then be okay with silence. Yeah. 
you know, um, that adds, that's when I feel the most heard and loved. Yeah, if I could ask a question off that show. I, I think one frustration I hear particularly from black Americans right now is that they don't feel very heard or they don't feel listened to a lot of the times. But I'm curious to hear from you guys, like, what does bad listening look like? Especially when, you know, somebody wants to have a conversation on race or maybe even you initiate a conversation on systemic racism in our country. Uh, what does good listening look like and what does bad listening look like in that instance? So I would say it's what's called active listening, actually. And so active listening means you're actually going to take in what every other person, what the other person is saying before you formulate your response. Mm. If you're so quick to already have a response to the, what we're saying, then you're actually not listening. Mm. The it, conversation can't go one way. It's got to really be real listening. And then taking the points that you're hearing, reflect it back to the other person, make sure that they're done, and then you can start a dialogue. And until we actually learn how to communicate better, I think that's one of the skills that we all can work on as we learn how to communicate a little bit better, then we're actually gonna feel more heard. And what does maybe feeling heard look like? It means that there's some action to the words. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, people have said a lot of things, especially to the black community, with words, but action has not followed. Mm -hmm. And so I think what people are looking for right now is, is real change. People mm -hmm. are using different words, but what it really looks like is actually moving things from the status quo to something different. And that might mean that people who are considered in the power structure are actually no longer in that place. Mm. 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 Well said. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is... I'm reading a book on listening right now, though, and it's, it's talking about how actually when that, maybe when those words aren't repeated back or I don't come back with that follow-up of here's what I heard you say, oftentimes... If someone doesn't feel like they've been properly listened to, it's almost as if, and this can happen with any conversation, but it's almost as if you've held back or you've invalidated part of their identity, right? I think everybody wants to be known, and so that's why we communicate. That's why we say things. But for that other person to not listen or to hear wrong, it, it actually feels like they've misunderstood not just my words, but a part of me too, I think, right? Agreed. All, all humans want to do is be validated. Yeah. That's why we communicate. Yeah. So if I don't feel I'm validated, if I've been told that I don't matter, then why would I communicate with you anymore? Mm -hmm. So we're really mm -hmm. looking for a place in which to start to communicate, but communication, like we said a moment ago, works both ways. So I really need you to hear and listen but also I need for you to make some action and I, I want to hear and listen. I think the other part of this conversation right now is that as black people, we want to listen. We really mm. do. Mm. And we want to see some movement and change. And until that happens, we're going to see some of the other outward manifestation, manifestations. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. what ends up happening is that behavior only happens a couple of ways. It either happens out or happens in. So people either retreat or they act out as what we're noticing maybe right now. Huh. Huh. I think the, uh, and like you said, act out. Okay, let's just talk about that for a second. Because acting out uh, has been shown in a few ways in the last few weeks, right? There's a protest, it's kind of an acting out. You're acting outward. There's the, there's the, uh, the rioting, and then there's just the, the looting. Okay, those are the three ways of acting out. And there's many different um, perspectives on what those three things mean and why they're all happening, right? And some people don't go, some people don't understand why those three things happen. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that the protests are, are 
obviously very constructive in general. Um, they serve a purpose. They unite people. Mm-hmm. Um, they send a message to people, people in power, business people, uh, politicals mm-hmm. um, at, 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 uh, at every level, all the way up to the White House. But then I think there's the, the, the looting portion, which obviously I'm, I'm not a fan of. I think that's destructive. Some people have a, a, an opinion that, well, I'm going to just take advantage of what's happening now. I'm going to take advantage and get mine. And I've, I've known mm-hmm. people who in 92 in the riots when Rodney King thing went down mm-hmm. in L.A. that they didn't care. They weren't concerned about justice for Rodney King. They were concerned about just getting something from themselves at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But I do understand there's a, there's a history there that needs to be addressed of why that person would, would want to have that mentality, would have the mentality, right? Uh-huh. Because there's a deeper issue there. There's the thing of feeling like they've had someone's you know, knee on their neck their entire life and feel right. depressed or not, uh, pushed down. And they um, feel like they've been looted. They've been yeah. looted and they've been wrong their entire life. So this is their one opportunity to uh, get retribution and they're going to take it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why some people don't understand, like, sure, writing is wrong, looting is wrong, but there's a reason behind that. I'm not saying it's right at all, but there's, there's more to it than just, like, I'm going to get a free, free uh, pair of sneakers. If you think about um, a lot of conversations, particularly ones that have conflict, when two people are in conflict and one person doesn't feel heard, they get louder. Yeah. They get louder. And then yeah. you have two people shouting. And... If actions speak louder than words, yeah. these yeah. this behavior is people getting louder, and not to necessarily us, but to people who they feel are in power. Yeah. So um, it's them saying we don't feel heard, and we're going to get louder. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy what we're seeing that on a societal level right now. Yeah, and we got so many ways to be loud too, not just protests and riots, but social media and books and a lot of things to make sure voices are heard. But this isn't new. I mean, yeah. to paraphrase Dr. King, he said this, that, that rioting is the language of the unheard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as much as we talk about um, the changes and the things that we want, there's a part that when we're not feeling heard, we look at it, okay, it's the economic piece as well that sometimes gets lost. There's been millions and millions and billions and probably trillions of dollars that were built on the, block, on the back of black people that that economic piece is another reason why people are in places that they are currently. Yeah. And until we address some of the economic issues as well, we're really going to be in a place where people are going to continue to struggle and then other people are not going to understand, saying, well, I don't understand why you can't move forward in life. Yeah. Well, you're put in a place where you already are a leg down economically. Mm-hmm. And so until the color of your skin doesn't mean anything, because a lot of people say, well, I, come, I grew from meaner means and even though I was white, you still had an advantage mm-hmm. by being white. So until we understand that there's a couple of other pieces that we really need to address, this is part of the systematic system that has to be broken down brick by brick. And this is going to be us five starting this conversation with many others, but it's not all we're lifting to do. Yeah, yeah. That word privilege is really hard, I think, for a lot of people, right? Nobody wants to really hear that they're privileged. And so I, I think in my own bit of reflecting and how I'm thinking of, okay, what's my role in all of this? I think helping people define what privilege means is going to be really important here because uh, when you put privilege together with white, I'll, for a lot of my friends and sometimes myself included, okay, that's okay, I'm going to shut down now. You know, that's, I stopped listening to you. 
Because they, they don't think that there's, it's real? Well, because it feels accusatory, right? Because I think it feels like you're saying something is true of me that I don't think is true of myself. I think mm-hmm. that's maybe where people are coming from, right? If you're a white person, maybe mm-hmm. particularly if you're a white male, to be honest, right? So, but I think helping define what white privilege is, separating it from a personal issue of mine, an individual issue, right? And talking about, like you just said, Jonathan, how whiteness affords possibilities for people uh, that aren't given to others. Like, I think separating it and putting it into a system has helped me understand a little bit better, I guess. So it's not, it doesn't feel so much of like a me thing. It feels like, hey, we're participating it, well, not participating, but we're a part of this thing. Hmm. All of us. I this is happening around that. us. I mean, I say this respectfully. It's not about you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if we can really move forward and say it's not a personal attack. Actually, all five of us right here have privilege. Yeah. We're a man. We're considered male. Mm-hmm. That's already a privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, we have other things. We have education. We all get to sit here. We all are employed. There's different levels of privilege. And instead of looking at it as accusatory, like you brought up a moment ago, just look at it as like, I do have this afforded to me. Now what am I going to do with it? Mm-hmm. You made a statement at the end of that, your comment a few minutes ago, just said it's not our, our lifting to do. Could you just go a little bit deeper on that for me? Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're going to tear down the system, you know, be revolutionary <laughs> and really be honest about it to break down what's really white supremacy, it's not the work of black people to break it down. It's going to be the work of white people to break it down. And mm-hmm. when we're going to have to also work towards really is looking at where am I afforded this privilege and where am I willing? Because a lot of people are not willingly going to give up power. Every struggle we've had in America, the women's rights movement, civil rights, etc., had to be fought for, and it was taken. Mm. It wasn't given. Yeah. So we have to really wow. figure out a way to work together on this. We want to work together. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard a quote the other day. You know, all black people are looking for is justice, not revenge. So we want to all figure out my life matters too. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's at the expense of anyone else's. Mm-hmm. Black lives do matter. It's not at the expense of blue lives or all lives. Mm-hmm. We're all together in this. Mm-hmm. And we know you didn't own slaves. And we know you <laughs> and we know mm-hmm. those conversations are not helpful because they, they drive us away from what we really need to discuss, mm-hmm. which is the systematic system that has to be torn down, as we said a moment ago, brick by brick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. And, and maybe saying a lot of that burden rests on the like white people in America because it I mean, maybe well because I'm not white. I mean let's just be honest. Like we we can't I can't speak to that for you. Yeah. But what I can speak to is my experience and then you can take my experience and say, okay, I know Jonathan, I know Sho, I know Jeff. Okay, I know what they're experiencing and so I don't want that for them. Mm. And so this is what I'm gonna do with it. Mm. Because you are in a position where the this is where privilege does come in, you're gonna maybe reach people that I may never be able to reach. Yeah. You may have circles of people in which I may never be able to infiltrate. So I want you to help in this way maybe so we can do that. And then another piece of this work really is going to be expanding our own circles. Mm-hmm. We only really spend time with people who are like-minded, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got to be willing to reach outside of those circles and start to engage with other people who may not think like us. Yeah. Or, or look like us. Or look like <laughs> us, exactly. Ocean Hills, that was a moment for us. That conversation that we just got to listen in on, that's what I would call a discipleship moment where we get to be mentored by our brothers in Christ by listening into their conversation and how this whole racism issue 
comes together around our faith, that, that they're integrated, that they connect, that it's not separate issues, but thank you so much to all five of those brothers in Christ for leaning in and for having the courage to let us be part of that conversation and listening to them. This summer, we have an incredible lineup of spiritual growth opportunities. We want you to subscribe to the Ocean Hills Daily. It has all the information. If you don't want to do that, jump on our website, oceanhills.org, and you can find all of those exciting, terrific, uh, really life-giving opportunities. Finally, thank you, thank you, thank you for your financial support. This is such a generous group of people. I'm so honored I get to be part of this family and your financial sacrifice and generosity and faithfulness are making a difference and moving the mission of Jesus forward. So thank you so much. That is God good. Is good. All the time. All the time. All the time. God is better than you think. He's better than you think. He's better than you think. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.